You're listening to Travel Tales with Virgil. Somebody contacted me a few years ago um, and said, Randy, it's good to see you're doing what you wanted. And I said, what was that? He said, you were going to travel the world, collect your ingredients and start a restaurant. So that's where the Asian influence come, comes to. And, you know, I love spice. I love flavor. For me, going into India and going into other kitchens around the world, Food is community. Um, if you can speak the language of food, you can get by in the kitchen. People were like, how did you get, how did you work in India? How did, so in India, I was in charge. So a lot of flay on the arms, a lot of tasting, a lot of, you know, and I learned the language. And when I'm in other countries, when you can talk about food and taste and, and everybody loves food and it is a community. And so to bring that alive, it's finding that common denominator that we all love, especially when you're talking to chefs or restaurateurs. I think every kitchen around the world is pretty much the same, but maybe different utensils. My guest this week is one for foodies and especially for all lovers of ethnic street foods, as my guest is Randy Lewis from the famous Randaddy's restaurant on the seafront in La Hinch, County Clare. Randy has travelled and worked all over the world over the last 20 years. He shares great insights into the food business and he talks about his great travels all around the world and especially about his time working in India. It's going to be a bit of an India special this week. We also talk about Randy's upcoming video series coming out in May on YouTube and I'd recommend you to subscribe to Randy's YouTube channel to see every episode coming soon. Randy, you're very welcome to the podcast. It's great to see Thanks you. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks I... for having me. Sure. Do you know what? I When I see you, I associate Randaddy's, the famous restaurant in La Hinch. We, I associate you with pancakes in the morning time after a big night out in La Hinch. <laughs> I always end up having breakfast and having lovely uh, American style pancakes with you. So you're, you're, the restaurant is right on the waterfront there in La Hinch. People know it very well. Very famous. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely very famous. It's come along over the last 10 years. We've, we've definitely came in leaps and bounds, you know, from a 40-seater to now a 200-seater with a patio overlooking the Atlantic, which is, it's fabulous, you know. And how long have you been there? 10 years. It'll be 10 years. And your accent, obviously, you're not Irish. So where are you from? From Canada, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And how long are you in Ireland? I've been in Ireland for about 15 years on and off, since 2005. In the middle of that, I had a bit of a bit of adventure excursion for two years around Asia and working working and living around Asia and more importantly, India. And was it love that brought you to Ireland or what was it? How did you end up here? I, I think <laughs> just traveling through the world. I mean, uh, visas were quite easy for Canadians to get. Um, mm-hmm. I had some amazing um, Irish friends that I had met in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it, I met them in 2001. So I just, it was 2004 and I had talked to them and I was ready to go on more journeys around the world. And I had gotten visas for Ireland and England and just decided to come over to Ireland. And, and one thing led to another and I, and I bypassed my English visa wow. and, you know, everything kind of, you know, I've worked very hard uh, in the time I was here um, and got some really good job opportunities. And yeah, and I just ended up staying and I, and I actually bought a house in the second year or in the second year I was in Ireland, I bought a house in, in, in Ennis Diamond, just near the, near, near the Hinch. 
can you tell me about your project? You've got an exciting project planned for this year, don't you? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 planned and, and done and dusted. So you know, you're you're really going to have to watch. But I'll give you an outline where where it's a travel adventure, um, twenty counties, twenty days, hitting amazing food producers, hitting amazing adventure activities, uh, hitting twenty counties, doing our own map around places that people could stop, lovely viewpoints, and everything, and trying some. We have thirty five food suppliers that we've tried and sourced and really unique flavors to Ireland. Um, you're really just going to have to watch and, and look at the videos when they come out. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I love your videos. They're great. Do you watch uh, some of them? I've, I've been watching them for years. Have you? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's like great. you were doing, like I, I watched them through Facebook. So you, um, yeah. you were in Cuba, I think. And you were in, weren't you in Hong Kong? Weren't you? My yeah. Writer? Yeah. Five years ago, six years ago, I think. Yeah. Five, six years them. ago. Yeah. They're brilliant. So, that's the exciting part is people like you know that the next video is coming up. It's not just a, it's a once off. It's something I've, I guess I've been plowing at for years. Um, not, I've been documenting it for, for six years, but, but doing it for, for 20 years, you know? Um, and that's, yeah. that's important to me that people know that it's not, I'm not a, I guess you could say a fraud. It, it's something I've yeah. been doing before I was a chef or before I became a good chef okay. or a restaurant owner, rather than doing mm-hmm. the whole, you know, think yeah, backwards, yeah. I guess, in my terms, where they, you know, they, they do their cooking show, then they're like, oh, where can we go? So was it, what was it, like, did you feel, is Ireland, a, I always find, when I was travelling, that Irish and Canadians, I'd often end up teaming up with Canadians, because we're quite similar, aren't we? Yeah, it's very easy to travel, fairly, we're fairly relaxed when it comes to travelling, I think our cultures are relaxed, I think more importantly, we like the same beer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, with all those combined, you know, and the fun uh, loving nature of being relaxed, I definitely think it's it's very easy and very you know very well for our culture to be combined. Did you travel with a Canadian flag on your bag? No, I didn't. I didn't <laughs> actually. I was I wasn't one of those. But uh, just just for the fact was there were so many of them doing it. I kind of like doing the opposite of the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Um, hence Ram Daddy's La Hinch, you know. And so you you always been chefing then was it like you were where you when you started traveling like were you already a chef at that stage or was that something that happened through your travels yeah uh well i started cooking from a very young age um really to be truly honest with you i swear on my life i was cooking when i was probably seven years old through cookbooks and making muffins more importantly or making you know food you know like easy things like putting tortillas down and putting sauce and cheese on them and put them in the oven with I just love cheese. So I'd be putting loads of cheese on, you know, Um, you know, from, from making French toast to pancakes to chocolate muffins. And, you know, and that was definitely a passion. I remember somebody teaching me, you know, an older fella who was actually dorming with my mother and him saying he was on a cooking program and we were making muffins and he was putting, uh, coating the raisins in flour so they wouldn't sink to the bottom and they'd they'd hold more buoyancy in the muffins. It's amazing. That story has just come to me right now, but Lots of influential people in my life. And, and food has always been very easy for me and, and knowing flavors. Um, even as long ago when I was younger, making, melting cheese on a plate in a microwave and forming it around a cup, you know, and just eating, eating it like that way. And then later on in my career, realizing that people are actually making cheese cups and putting salads in them, you know. Um, not that I was, I was definitely not, I was innovative in my own right, you know, know as yeah. young. And I just like to do things and create things and, I remember my mom finding cake mixes underneath my bed um, because I'd be making cake mixes and the dog would get at it. And, you know, so, you know, it evolved there. And then it went into, you know, 
summer camps. Um, I was, I was going to summer camps and eventually I went from being a camper and a camp counselor to washing dishes in the summer camp to learning a few bits and pieces and thinking, I, I really like this, this thing to, you know, going to learn at a pizzeria um, and then going to look at, you know, then I was a waiter for a small amount of time and a bartender and then going really stream, streamlining into food, you know, um, throughout that. Um, and so I've always been around the food industry. I'd say since I was about 13 was my first job at 13 was when 14 was the pizzeria job. Um, so that's, you know, a summer camp to there, you know, it's, it's been quite a while. So, it, and then it just continued on and, and traveling around the world was, was my goal. I mean, I was 17 when my first travel adventure started and that was from, from Canada, Edmonton, Alberta. We took a road trip all the way down to as far as Huntington, Huntington beach in LA. Wow. Um, so it was a massive road trip for three weeks and, and after that, I was just like, this is, I, I, I've always wanted to explore um, since I was younger. Um, and more importantly, everybody said I couldn't do it. So, or wasn't going to do it, you know? Yeah. So I love that driving factor. When I've noticed from you, from stuff that you do up, like little videos on YouTube and stuff, that you have a big Asian influence in your food. So were you over in Asia for a while? Did you work over Asia in Asia? Is, I think firstly, coming from Canada, it's so multiculturalized. So I come from a city of a million and in that million, there's 200,000 Chinese, you know, there's probably 50,000 Lebanese. There is, you know, another 100,000 Filipinos. Okay. Um, you know, there's a big, massive influence from Asia, you know, because I mean, and, and Indians for that matter, you know. So, I mean, for food varieties in Canada and experiencing food and learning food, you're really subjected to a lot of food cultures. So, first of all, I've loved Mexican food or I've loved, I've loved all the spicy kind of foods. And I mean, I guess it's only the European countries that wouldn't really have much spice in their food normally, you know? Uh, so going down to it, yeah, I spent two years living and traveling in Asia. Um, so when recession came in, um, I had an opportunity to work in India and actually, uh -huh. you know, not for volunteer, actually work and make rupees. <laughs> so I was working and living in India for almost two years. Wow. So that gave me an amazing base to start really traveling uh, into Thailand and doing. So when I had vacations in India, I would go to Thailand and I would work for free. A lot of my times uh, I'd, I'd pull up to a hotel, um, you know, I'd ask them for free accommodation if I, if I could work in their kitchen, um, you know, and that's how I was doing things when I was traveling the world, even when I went through other places in the world. And so then obviously being there, you know, working and I guess working at stages, they call them in Hong Kong throughout working with the best chefs in Hong Kong and around Asia um, has definitely enlightened me to different flavors. And more importantly, I worked at the Vancouver Hyatt Regency um, and that was full of basically in that kitchen. I was, I was 22 working there and in this kitchen of about a 35 to 40 brigade, they called me CK and that meant Canadian kid. So... <laughs> I was surrounded by Asians and more importantly, Indians. So from, from, from then on, I got amazing base on, on, on food and always said what I was going to do. I actually forecasted what we're doing now, believe it or not. Somebody contacted me a few years ago um, and said, Randy, it's good to see you're doing what you wanted. And I said, what was that? He said, you were going to travel the world, collect your ingredients and start a restaurant. Um, so it's funny. I mean, you know, people forecasting things and talk about it all the time and writing it down. You know, that's what I'm constantly doing in my brain. Um, so that's where the Asian influence comes comes to. And 
you know, I love spice. I love flavor. I, I really find, I think it's, it's quite a bit more modern. I think French cuisine, in fact, is, is, is great cuisine. And it is actually the base I find to a lot of cooking. In, in fact, most cooking around the world, French base is in there somewhere. Um, or they've, I mean, maybe a French suburb of the base, but I love flavor. French cuisine, I wouldn't say is dying, but people are enlightening themselves to more worldly cuisines. You know, I think the new up and rising cuisine is definitely uh, Africa, African cuisine. Is it? Um, yeah. And, and I, I believe so. I don't think it's hit Ireland yet. It's definitely what, hit a what lot is of other African, places. Like, is, does it have a certain, you know, when you say Italian or French or Indian, you kind of have a bit of an idea in your head. So African, is it more? African is very, you know, it's dominated by Chinese and India. India, you know, they were over there. I mean, as far as I know, when I did my travels through uh, Kenya and I did a lot of research um, and, and, you know, Moroccan food, I mean, Moroccan is actually a little bit further now, but over on the, we'll say, east coast of Africa, it's definitely dominated by, uh, we'll just label it right now, Indian spices. Now, they could be spices from other parts of Asia. I'll label it Indian spices. So idea, you know, I'd be going into Kenya and we went to a street food place and they were making biryani. Biryani was their street food, you know, and that was stuff they knew. When I got into people's houses, we were cooking with a lot of Indian influence um, or Chinese influence for that matter. Um, samosas, you know, I don't know where they originated, um, but, you know, samosas would be in a staple dish in Kenya. So if it goes in Kenya, it, it will, I mean, like every food cuisine, it'll trickle down that coast there. Mm. Um yeah, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> Just and so you mentioned India there. Where in India were you? Two years in India. That's a long time. Uh, two years in India. So working wise, I worked in a place called P uh, Pune. Um, it's near near Bombay or or uh, Mumbai. Mm -hmm. um, so it's about three hours um, away from Mumbai, and still holds seven million people. <laughs> wow. Um, and then I worked in a place called Coimbatore. Uh, that was my second place I worked for. And that was more of a textile industry. They had a group of seven, I think they have 14 hotels now. And my job was, believe it or not, the corporate food and beverage manager is what they titled me. <laughs> my job was to go around and kind of just bring some Western influences in uh, and Western style into the food and maybe into a bit of the service, not so much, but more, more so the background food. And, and stabilize you wouldn't believe it, you know, stabilizing their own Indian dishes and, and creating more formats inside the kitchens, um, you know, was definitely a job of mine. Now I wouldn't know Indian flavors, obviously not, but um, obviously I've learned them. Um, you know, I, you know, I know a good biryani, I know a good, you know, butter chicken. Um, I know good food. So my first job, the second first job in India was actually looking after a super restaurant that was a 500 seater. It was overlooking the whole city of Pune. And there was a big Italian restaurant um, with, with, a, with, a, with a Punjabi restaurant. So I was over top of all of them. Um, what was India like? Like, did you like it working there? Did you like the people? Um, the people were fabulous. Um, I, didn't find, I didn't find it scary at all. You know, I, I definitely think it's a different culture, obviously. Um, my best travel experiences were throughout India. Right. I, I had a hard time coping with maybe some of the way the cultural differences are when it came to a working scenario I, as a culture it was obviously there was differences you know i'm european canadian you know we're used to different aspects of our life you know as a culture and as people and as being friendly and traveling awesome 
I can't wait to bring my son there. You know, I say when he's the age of, I'd say eight or nine, we are going there. As soon as he's able to travel, we're going everywhere. Yeah, he's my, yeah. my new travel companion. I yeah. can't wait. I can relate to that. And tell us, you mentioned there about working in the kitchen. Like, is there a difference in, you know, you've been in Asia, or like, you know, I'd say Hong Kong, you've been into India, you've been in Europe, in America's, the kitchens. Is there a different culture working in the kitchens or is it the same the world over? The structure. Well, I mean, I guess, yeah, I think I feel I've been a lot of a lot of continents in the world, you know, it's even even, uh, you know, North or South America. And I, I think for me, going into India and going into other kitchens around the world, food is community. Um, if you could speak the language of food, you can get by in the kitchen. People were like, how did you go? How did you work in India? How did so in India, I was in charge. So a lot of flail in the arms, a lot of tasting, a lot of, you know, and I learned the language. And when I'm in other countries, when you can talk about food and taste and, and everybody loves food and it is a community. And so to bring that alive, when you're meeting people and you're, you're trying to walk my way into a kitchen around the world, like I do is, is extremely easy for me. Cause I, I love food and it's, it's finding that common denominator that we all love. And especially when you're talking to chefs or restaurateurs, you know, I'm excited all the time about food and when I see different experiences. So, you know, I think every kitchen around the world is pretty much the same, but maybe different utensils. And when you're traveling, then do you find, you know, busman's holiday? Like, are you always able to just relax when you're on holidays and just chill? Are you always watching what's what the cooking, what the kitchen, what's going on? Well, lately, believe it or not, I haven't really had any holidays besides this past um, October. I did sneak away. I went to (laughs) Portugal. I did sneak away and that's the first actual holiday I had without a camera in I'd say four years so I mean sometimes you know it it gets intense where it's you're you're kind of working like you know it's a a working holiday you know there's a lot of behind the scenes work that is actually done you know so I mean I guess going back to the question when I am on holidays, I try and relax a bit and I am relaxed. A lot of my holiday vacations, there's no script to them at all or anything like that. It's just, it's very improv. So I'm very relaxed when it comes to that, that it's not tense. Um, you know, but when I am on holidays, food is my love. Food is my passion. Having beers are my passion, you know, tasting wines, tasting alcohols, eating all the time. You know, I mean, I'm trying to lose weight, but it's, you know, I do go to the gym. I do eat healthy when I know my ingredients, but it's extremely hard, you know, it's trying to find that balance. Um, but I mean, I think, I don't think there's really, I can't think of too many great chefs around the world that are extremely, yeah. like, I think I'm fit. I mean, I, I can do a lot of good fit. I can, you know, I can run for five o'clock. I can do all that stuff, but I can't trim the belly. <laughs> but, um, the but yeah, so on vacations, I am able to relax a bit, you know, here and there. Is food important then if you're going to go away? Like, can you go somewhere and the food is grand I mean, as I said, I heard an interview with Rick Steen, the, the chef, and he was saying he wouldn't go anywhere. That was the first thing was the food was the most important thing. I'm, I'm a believer of, yeah, I think he's, I got to be honest with you, he's actually one of my favorite, favorite chefs. Um, I don't mm. know much about him, but just his, his aura. But so, so mm. going back to it, well, yeah, food is extremely important. I won't lie to you. The, the center of Kenya, the food was, 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 was not to die for. When you went to the coast, it was good. So I wouldn't necessarily um, be, it wouldn't be my first thought um, when I'm traveling. I mean, I guess I find most cultures have 
have food in their country that you're going to like anyways. And I'm a big believer on, you know, obviously there is crap food. You just don't pick crap restaurants. <laughs> so, so I think that's maybe, you What's know, your every trick country for that? has. So, you know, do you have a trick for looking for restaurants when you go traveling as a um, restaurant? Well, they always say to go to the restaurant that has loads of people coming out of it. And I mean, that's a good trick that I'd be using. I mean, I do like a lot of um, street food. Um, I do, you know, if I'm in the country and they have a takeaway and I see it's busy, um, I, I will get their, their own country style takeaway. Cause you know, usually if you're getting a takeaway curry and that place is busy, well, that's going to be a whopping curry. Um, so I, I would say that could be a bit of a trick of mine. Um, seeing the food cooked in front of me is always important, you know, uh, and a lot of places around the world are cooking food in front of you. Now, when you're going around Europe, it's a bit different, uh, you know, using TripAdvisor, I think could be a massive skewer. I'm not a big fan of it. Um, I kind of take it as a base. I definitely take it as a base and, and usually read, read through things quite, quite swiftly. I, I wouldn't take the highest stars ones. I definitely wouldn't obviously own in a restaurant. I kind of see what goes on. I feel, um, but I, I definitely try and punch around the middle. Um, I ask around, I ask, I ask the staff, you know, I'll, I'll ask two or three staff members definitely of where I'm staying before I'll make my judgment call. Um, and then, then after that, once I do find a place, I generally eat that two or three times and go through the menu. Um, and that's kind of a safe bet that I like to use. I was in India, actually, you just reminded me what you're, when you're describing it there, I was in India for six weeks and eating street food and it was cooked in front of you off the side of the road and delicious. And then yeah. once, once I went in Udapur, that famous hotel okay. in the middle of the lake, five-star hotel, we went yeah. over there and I had like afternoon tea with sandwiches and bloody yeah. lettuce in it. And then I was sick as a dog for months afterwards. Yeah. And yeah. that's the thing. And that was in the five-star hotel, you know? Yeah, I can, I can believe that though. You never get sick. You know, the street food is being cooked in front of you and, and people are eating for it. Generally, you're well, pretty safe. I think so. So, and definitely from living in India. So the way they are, the way they do it in India is everything is killed that day. Well, you know, the way the majority of places do it in India, everything is killed that day and cooked that day. So, I mean, it's fairly safe. I mean, I've seen chicken the way they came to the restaurant. I was at now I stopped it after a while. They become with a potato sack of, of chicken, you know, coming in, drop it on the ground. They'd be tossing it, you know, um, and it's killed that day. And, I mean, killed that day, cooked in front of you. You're not going too far wrong and looking at the big lines, you know? So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I would prefer to do that than go into the looking, the fine looking place that only has, you know, 10 right. tables going for it, you know? Yeah. And tell us, so you've been all over the world for to many great restaurants. Is there one that sticks out or one or two that you remember particularly great meal? Well, I think countries stick out to me more okay. than more than actual restaurants, you know, and, and eating, you know, faux soup on the, in, in Thailand on, on the street vendors. There's definitely a street vendor that sticks out for me um, in, in Thailand. You know, um, there was a street vendor I'd always go to because some of them are some of them have different. They have, they have different flavors of the same dishes. You know, what I used to love in, in um, Bangkok is uh, the street stalls. We'd go back to this place and get a green curry, but we used to get like a, a, a kind of a smoothie and it'd be in a little plastic yeah. bag with a straw in it, you know? Yeah. And it was so and gorgeous. Was gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. So and, that's, you know, that sticks out with me a lot more, you know, India as, as a place to, to eat. 
Um, there's, I've definitely eaten at a lot of fine dining restaurants, um, mm. you know, but I mean, I kind of like the, I kind of like the casual restaurants. I find you have uh, a little bit more flavors that I'm in touch with. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. I love the fine dining and I love the whole atmosphere around it um, is, is definitely, but I mean, let's face it. It is very expensive. You can't do it all the time. Um, the last fine dining meal I had was in, was in Portugal. Um, you know, and before that, I, I can't even remember, you know, um, I prefer to eat casual diners um, that I know and, and looking for flavors that I love. Um, what, what's, the so most that unus- you- tell us, what's the most unusual thing that you ever um Yes, you must have some unusual but, stuff in Asia. You know, you try snake or, you know, you try the crickets on the street of, of Thailand. I'm sure you've seen the buggies going down. Yeah, yeah. I dodged um, them though. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I wouldn't be, I, I am adventurous, but I'm not adventurous to the point of, you know, trying something I wouldn't, wouldn't, you know, like. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, well, I mean, drinking cow's blood straight from the cow was pretty adventurous, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, that was in Kenya, wow. you know, that, that was definitely by far the most, the, the, the craziest experience I've had, you know, drinking the cow's blood straight from the cow, popping the arrow into it, watching the blood come out two seconds later, switch it around and down it, you know, mm-hmm. um, that was, that was probably the most adventurous. I think that's, that's pretty good. And it's pretty high up there. <laughs> um, and where is there somewhere that you haven't been to, uh, that you want to go to? Loads of places I haven't been to. I mean, I think I've, I, I haven't counted. I think I'm somewhere up between 40 and 50. Um, there's lots of places around Africa I would like to go. Um, I would like to get into China a bit more. Um, I'd like to go around Eastern Europe a bit more. Um, you know, um, I'd like to, you know, go around, um, I guess, everywhere a bit more. You know, I mean, there's a lot of countries still left to hit. I, yeah. I'd say Africa is definitely like I've, I've been to Morocco and Africa. and I've been to Kenya. So I think Africa is definitely somewhere I'd like to kind of explore a bit more. Um, What's Morocco like? That's somewhere I, that's on my bucket list. Uh, Morocco was good. I was on the coast of Morocco for two and a half weeks, three, three weeks, actually. Um, fabulous. Got into a couple of great kitchens, got a great documentary video there. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, so I think people wouldn't know, but Morocco is full of olives and olive oil is fabulous there. Oh, olives okay. and olive oil. It's, it's definitely my favorite ingredients that I learned about Moroccan cooking. Um, you know, they use a lot of black pepper um, and obviously cooking in tagines. I mean, the way they do it in tagines, if you, if anybody has a chance to look at the, the video is it's, it's incredible. I, I was in this restaurant and there was, I'd say 200 tagines cooking at one time. And mm-hmm. we were going around and getting them going, you know, um, it was definitely a unique experience and, you know, cold coming from them. And it's just, you would think that they were getting stuff ready in a pan put it tagine or they cooked it to order or, you know, but no, there was 200 tagines cooking there and the breads were coming out very fresh. Cause you get a basically, uh, I wouldn't know what the name of it is, but they'd always be fresh bread to go with the tagine and get the pickled chili into it. My mouth's watering here. <laughs> um, uh, it was, it was fabulous. Yeah. Definitely flavorful cooking. You know, the beauty of the country as well. Like it, it just looks amazing with the, ath- did you go into Marrakesh? Yeah, I was in Marrakesh um, seeing a lot of weird things, you know, the snake charming and, and all that stuff. And uh, we, we, I didn't stay too long in Marrakesh. It's not too much of a memorable stuff. I don't really like to sit around in cities. Yeah. Um, so we went to the markets, you know, the couple of famous things. And then we, were, then we headed straight for the coast yeah. um, and really we're, we're on the coast um, by, in Tagazut area. 
um, surfing and and really kind of just relaxing. I was there with my son. I think he was he was a year year at that point, a year and a half. You know, so we were very uh, stable uh, on that one. But definitely going up and down the coast, um, rented a car, and yeah, it was. We we actually rented a car throughout the whole of of Morocco. Has no was, problem driving around, driving there, is there? Driving yourself? No, no problem driving around. No, no okay. problem at all. Just, just have your documentation is what I'll say. Okay. And make sure the documentation you have is real. <laughs> I don't think ours was. At least the, the cop was telling us it wasn't, and he obviously thiefed us for for fifty euros. You know. <laughs> is he? Wow. Yeah. There's nothing worse, you know, when when that happens. Actually, that reminds yeah. me. Have you ever had an incident when you're traveling when you were really scared? I, I tend to travel with a bit of cash on me um, because I'm just a bit paranoid, you know, about cards because I've always had cards not working in that country. So I could travel with cash now. I was in Ecuador for three and a half weeks and I wouldn't say I was scared, but they definitely put the fright in you where me and my brother were sitting there at, uh, in Ecuador. Uh, I can't remember the city name. It's the number one city that you fly into. Um, Quito, is it? Keto. There we go. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah, you're very good with geography. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Too much pot in my older days. No, it's I'm a, just joking. <laughs> that, that's another spot on my list. <laughs> that's why. Yeah. So we, we were in Keto having a coffee, sitting there. A fight broke out. There was a crowd around. There was cops around. We watched the cop. There were two taxi cab drivers going at it. One of them fell down. The cop picked him up, pushed him back into the fight. And uh, we were like, holy shit, what's going on here? You know, we, so we were just like, we were, you know, and then they told you don't travel at night when it gets dark. Um, there was cops on every corner, two or three cops in every corner. So that was quite scary. Um, Brazil being in, in uh, um, Salvador, um, they told you don't go out of the square area. And in Salvador, there was a square area of maybe two square kilometers, I could think. Um, we didn't read, really, we ventured out a bit um, for one day. Um, that was in the broad daylight. And, you know, you kept your wits about you. But I think when they say don't travel around outside this area and you see cops or guards on every corner or, tr- or walking around constantly patrolling, it kind of puts a bit of fright wondering, why is this happening? There has to be a reason they're spending this money and there has to be a reason they're saying don't go out of this square vicinity, you know. So, so you know, those kind of times, you know, and I think I've never really put myself in a position that I was could have a massive fright where it's like holy shit i shouldn't be doing this right now i think if you walk down the dark alley you're going to get in trouble do you know what you're you've me thinking there you're right when you're in south america that's maybe why when i think of my travels in south america versus asia you don't have that in asia you know what i mean you, you, you don't quantify it in that just being yeah. able to in asia you're walking around you Can never you, feel nervous yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, you never feel nervous in Asia. Every smiling face. So do you have a like a favorite? I mean, you've obviously been to many, many countries. Do you have, does one jump out a particular India. country? India, is it? <laughs> India, yeah. I mean, India, like, I can't wait to go back. It's just India, Asia, those places are definitely pop out to me. Just, the, you know, you're obviously going to have the bad apples, but what people don't realize is when you got, 1.3 billion people in the country there's going to be some bad people <laughs> you know when you have that when you have that condensed culture there's going to be some bad people but they're friendly um but india stands out you know where 
anything can happen in India. You know, I mean, I landed in India, the job I went for, I landed in the country, the guy never answered his phone. So here I am, I quit my job at 60,000 euros a year, you know, to go to India. Um, and I get there and he's like, didn't answer his phone. So I had to, I really had to just get my wits about me and say, okay, let, it's time to go to work here, you know, <laughs> and time to try and, and get into this system here and find a job somehow, you know, so it's just an amazing travel experience. Um, if you're white, if you're traveling through India and need to find work, you, you just put yourself in scenarios. Like I'd be walking into weddings, you know, and I'd be all of a sudden sitting at a top table with a beard, with my bag. Obviously I was the white guy, the token white guy, but Classic. I love insert myself into scenarios. And India allows you to insert, insert yourself into those scenarios to give you an amazing travel experience, especially if you go off the beaten track, which I love doing. Um, you know, so yeah, I'm really excited to go back to India. <laughs> what you're saying, so you found them very welcoming. Is that what you're like? Uh, yeah, I, you know, extremely welcoming, maybe for their own benefit. Um, but yeah, extremely welcoming. Yeah. yeah, I experienced that on trains and things where families yeah. would come out, you know, they take out their, their food, you know, they'd be having their lunch on the train yeah. and they just give you, offer you some, you know? Yeah, it was by far the most welcoming country, uh, you know, and just wanting you to, and wanting to know about you, you know, mm. um, it, you know, for me it was, and I think maybe for you then by the sounds of it, it was definitely yeah. one of your top travels, you know? Oh, definitely. But also, you know, it, it, you become, uh, it toughens you because um, it's so busy, so packed that people can be quite pushy there. Like, for example, I remember one time, you know, booking seats and like a two person carriage and then, Myself and my wife, we, my girlfriend at the time, Emer, we went into the carriage and there was these two old guys in there, one in a, in a kind of an army uniform. And by then we'd become, I would say, like Indians. And we just told them, get out. Whereas there's no way I would have done that in Ireland. Yeah. I, and there was no yeah. politeness. I didn't go, sorry now, guys, we booked this. I, I would just get out. And these were yeah. this, these were el- older people that I yeah. would never do that in Ireland. But I felt like I was starting no. to become a bit Indian. Do you know? Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I didn't Absolutely. like that part having to do yeah. that. But it kind of yeah. is necessary there. I'm sure you found that when you were working, you had to order people like to. Yeah, there is boundaries, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, personal space. You know, mm. <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, hundred percent, you know, so yeah, there is an extreme of that and there's the other extreme. Yeah, no, I agree. hundred percent. That's part of the culture, I guess, you know, I mean, yeah. standing on a train, you know, they are packed and you're like this and you're just trying to, you know, <laughs> exactly. you know, it's, and, and then, and they're all the white beady eyes looking at you. Like the, you're the first yeah. white guy they've ever seen in their life <laughs> and you're, you're towering over them probably. Exactly. You know, the, most of them. <laughs> I remember my first sort of first day or two being there, and kind of going, my first surprise was like going into a restaurant and, you know, in Ireland, you go into an Indian restaurant and you essentially have food from the whole continent. Whereas there yeah. you get the food is from that area. Do you know what I mean? You're not going to yeah. get a tandoori chicken yeah. unless you're in the area. It's the first time, the first time it's in there. That's funny. <laughs> um, yeah. No, that actually brings me back to something. The first time in India, one of the scariest times, actually. Here we go. Um, <laughs> so I'm flying into India. Get down. It stinks like shit coming out of the plane i'm not gonna lie yeah. sorry if you got a sense of that yeah. i got off the plane it was it was one in the morning i had my bags i had uh i uh, i bought a thousand euros on me which is which is about Last. you know 
six month wages. I had all my bags on me and I got in a taxi in Mumbai. We're going over this big, big ass, uh, uh, bridge. That's a hill. And, 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 and it's your first time in, in a country like this, um, so much. And you're seeing, you know, all the, all the, uh, slums or favelas or, you know, slums is what they call them. And you're seeing people everywhere. It's one in the morning. You're thinking, this is a country that doesn't sleep. There's people, there's clusters, there's dogs running around everywhere. There's, there's the smells coming. There's, there's traffic coming on you when you're going, you know? So I'm going up this hill, this flipping taxi cuts out. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So it cuts out. There's traffic coming on you. This guy's going backwards. And I'm like, what? I was like, what is going on? And he couldn't speak English. And so we're going backwards and this traffic's coming on. And then we stop. And everybody starts knocking on the window. And I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. The first hour of my trip, this is about to go down. So um, there we go. That was probably a part that scares me. There's a lot of actually, you know, there's a lot of moments like that in travel. I, I remember you've reminded me now, like the, my first night is the, practically the same. Like I arrived, Miss yeah. Evanemer, in the middle of the night, we had nothing booked. We had a hotel or, a, you know, a little hotel booked. But when we went out into the, the rivals area trying to get a taxi, all these people around us, we went into one taxi. And then when we were driving to the hotel, you had all these tuk-tuks chasing along by the taxi, waving at us. And then eventually yeah. we got to the hotel. The tuk-tuk guys got out, got out and went in front of the door of the hotel, which was closed. And started saying, no, no, closed. No, we bring you to a different place. Yeah. This is our first night in the middle of the night and I was roaring at him get out of my way and eventually they got out of the way and we got into the hotel but like it was our first experience it is mental they were literally yeah. to drag us off somewhere and I remember yeah. the next day we just sort of pretty much spent the day in bed under the covers going not yeah. wanting not wanting to leave the the hotel and then it took and then the next day we left the hotel and went around the blocks and then the following day we were grand but it was such yeah. a culture shock when you arrive. I think the culture shock is, is yeah, you're arriving and you have everything yeah. that you know to be yours for the next, uh, exactly. you know, two or three weeks. It's just like, okay, you know, yeah. and the next day is like, okay, this is all put away. This is all safe. All it is is me walking the streets. Exactly. Um, and, and, and I think, I think every journey into a third world country is like that. But True. India was definitely, um, geez, that was 11 years ago. That was one of the biggest shocks of my life. Cause it was the first third world country. I think I, well, I guess Ecuador was before that, but but the That's first the real, yeah. I mean, let's face it, India is known as one of the poorest countries in the world. So it, it was it was hardcore. And like you, the first night I was like, oh, geez, what did I score myself into? Because yeah. I, I, you know, because I had traveled there first, and I met somebody who who offered me a job, so I came home and quit my job. So I mean, and then the, and then I think after, you know, you just learn the, learn the culture and learn what to do and what to say. And and I mean, I was lucky enough that when I lived there. I learned to speak um, English, they call it, you know, mm. uh, now I forget it, but I mean, I knew my, enough to get around and enough to let the tuk-tuk guys know that, um, or, or anybody around me know that, okay, he knows the culture. He's an expat that obviously lives here. Uh, and that, that, so I try and, I try and, before I go to countries now, I try and piece together a few words. Um, just, just, you know, cause it, it just shines a light, a bit of light, you know, try and learn some numbers. Um, try and learn how much, uh, try and learn, you know, just the very basic 20 words. Even if you thank can do you, that, you know, yeah. thank you, hello, you know. Yeah, if you, could, if you could do that, it really breaks down a barrier and it lets, 
it, it kind of opens them up to leaving you alone if it's if that's a problem, you know. Until yeah. the the last question that I ask everybody is, if you close your eyes and take four deep breaths, allow yourself. <clears throat> sorry, I'm going to say it again because <clears throat> I have a throat croak in my throat. If you close your eyes and take four deep breaths, allow yourself to think of your happy place from your travels. Where would that be and why? I think surfing the beaches of Brazil, surfing the beaches of Brazil in a place called Chicken Town, um, getting off the beach with the vendors, uh, walking down, giving me a coconut and cooking grilled halloumi cheese on their, their walk along barbecue um, that they would have in their hand and, and just sitting there and getting uh, margaritas and drinks delivered to me because there was a, 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 a mini bar on, on the, on, on like every 500 meters or four, there was somebody's unique own personal mini bar. Um, that was an amazing place that I can think of that really brings back memories. I mean, I have a lot of memories around Asia and stuff that I could bring, bring in, but I think that's always been a place where I'd say, you know what, if I ever go, you know, somewhere again that I could, I've always wanted to go and, and a place that I, I'd only say I didn't spend enough time in was that beach right there where I said, I would love to go and just sit on that beach for two weeks. I would ask if you could please subscribe to Apple Podcast so a new episode will appear in your library every week. I would also really appreciate if you could leave a rating and a review as it helps others to discover this podcast. To find out who's on every Tuesday, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Travel Tales with Fergal. Stay safe and keep dreaming of future travels. Travel Tales with Fergal.